It is amazing how God created our minds to remember. In fact, neuroscientists still don't really have it all figured out as to how it exactly works. There are a variety of processes of how, of how your mind receives information, stores information, and then recalls it again. Here is, is what we think we know. So you, you have an experience, and, and you perceive that experience in your mind. And then that information is encoded into a subset uh, stored in the regions of your brain known as the hippocampus. And then your mind, through neural pathways, evaluates what is worth remembering and what is not worth remembering. Everything, every experience you have is in there. It's just that your, your, your neural pathways tell you some of it's worth it and some of it's not. And then your mind recreates bits and pieces of the past, combines them together in something known as remembering. Best we know. God created us this way because remembering is important to him. More than 300 times in the Bible, we are, we are told to remember something. 300 times. In fact, some of the greatest sins of Israel occurred because the people forgot. And one of the greatest revivals in the history of the nation of Israel happened because the people remembered through a godly king by the name of Hezekiah. Read with me chapter 30 of 2 Chronicles, starting in verse 1. Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now look at verse 6. So couriers went throughout all Israel and Judah with letters from the king and his princes. As the king had commanded saying, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may turn again to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were faithless to the Lord God of their fathers, so that he made them a desolation as you see. Do not now be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever, and serve the Lord your God, that his fierce anger may turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors and return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. This morning, I want us to think about the power of remembering. First of all, letter A on your outline, let's look at the background. God's people turn away from him. Eighth century, 800 years before Christ, 
God's people, the Israelites, turned away from God, turned away from his commandments, disobeyed him, and did exactly what they wanted to do. Now, I want you to listen very carefully how 2 Kings 17 describes what the people did. Imagine people of God doing what I'm about to read to you. It says God's people despised God's statutes and warnings. Despised them. They went after false gods. They lived like the pagan nations around them. They abandoned God's word. Sounds like us, doesn't it? They made images of calves and bowed down to them. They worshipped Asherah poles. An Asherah pole was basically a tree. They would take a tree that grew in some kind of majestic way or looked unusual, and they would ascribe a deity to that tree and worship it as a god of fertility. The other nations did that. Israel joined them. They served Baal. They sacrificed their children. Can you imagine taking your baby, and, and, and Molech is there with his arms outstretched, just a god sitting there, and, and you would take your, your, your baby, and, and Molech is sizzling hot, and just place your baby there, and the baby sizzles to death as a sacrifice to Molech. And God's people did that. It said they were into divination and omens and witchcraft. And 2 Kings 17 says they sold their souls to do evil. And God was angered. Whew. How far can God's people fall? But not only that, they stopped going to church. They neglected the temple. They just shut the doors of the temple. They stopped attending. They stopped sacrificing. It, it, it fell into shambles. God's temple was a wreck. And they stopped observing Passover. Passover was, you know, they were let out of Exodus, the Exodus out of Egypt, and the waters parted, and God said, from now on, remember what I did for you, the blood on the doorpost. Never forget that. And they stopped remembering Passover. So God sent prophets to warn them. Amos and Hosea and Isaiah and Micah. And told them, unless you turn from all of these wicked ways, God's going to bring judgment upon you. And judgment's going to come in the form of an invading nation that's going to capture you and kill some of your residents. Take the rest of them back to live as slaves. And the land is going to be decimated unless you turn back to God. And the people ignored the prophets and killed the prophets. God said, okay, I warned you. So in the year 740, Assyria was in power, and there was a king by the name of Tiglath-Pileser III. He had a nickname, Pull, P-U-L. They called him Pull. And Pull marched in, first of all, to the southern portion across the Transjordan there, the, the 
half tribe of Manasseh and Ephraim and Gad and, and went in and, and just destroyed the bottom part of Israel. And God then had them move back away and said, okay, northern part, if you didn't see what happened, it's going to happen to you unless you turn. And God gave them 18 years to turn back, and they didn't do it. 18 years. So God said, okay. So through the able leadership of Sargon II and Sennacherib, Assyria marched in and took control of Israel and they killed the residents and deported the young, strong, bright minds back to Assyria to serve as slaves. They killed everybody else and they left a few of the very, very elderly there in the northern part of Israel just to starve to death because there was nothing to eat. The land was decimated and pillaged and burned. It was just a mess. God's people were devastated and God's land was decimated. And then a new king took the throne by the name of Hezekiah. So look at letter B on your outline. Hezekiah becomes king in Judah. Now, just to get a picture, Israel is divided into two parts. You know, the northern part was called Israel. southern part was called Judah. Judah was left and not invaded by Assyria, so they're intact. That's where Jerusalem is. The northern portion had only a few residents there, dead bodies of most Israelites there, the rest of them taken back to Assyria, and a few of the very elderly left in the land. And so now King Hezekiah comes on. He has to be the king of God's people, the king of Judah, and really the king of all of Israel. How do you, how do you straighten up this mess? I mean, look what he inherited. He's 25 years old. Takes over as king. We're told his mother is Abijah. And on this Father's Day, that's very unusual, the Bible would say that, because it was a patriarchal society. It went by the lineage of your father. So the fathers are mentioned, but we're not told his father. We're just told his mother. Why? Probably because his dad wasn't worth remembering. So it says, Hezekiah, the, the son of his mother, Abijah, took over as king at the age of 25, and he inherited a mess. Been a long line of kings before him that were terrible. God's people were disobedient. They had turned away from him. The land is is in shambles, Jews lying dead everywhere, others deported as slaves. Everything is a wreck. God has been neglected. His word has been neglected. The temple doors are shut. Worship is shut down. Sacrifice is shut down. No Passover. What in the world do you do? So here's what Hezekiah did. He appealed to their mind. power of remembering. So the Bible tells us on the first day of the first month of the first year, Hezekiah was in office, he called all the priests and the Levites together, the religious leaders. Assemble them in the east side of the square in Jerusalem, we're told. And here's what he said. All right, guys. This is on you. 
You're the religious leaders. You're the priests. You're the Levites. You're the one that should have been leading us closer to God. And because of you, we are where we are. So it's on you. You've got to bring us back. I'm turning to you. Here's what I want you to do. First of all, I want you to dedicate yourself. I want every priest here to rededicate yourself to God. Secondly, I want you to get in there to that temple, open those doors, and clean it out. It is a mess. Haven't been Israelites in there in years. We have, we have false gods in there. We have altars that haven't been sacrificed on in there. You get in there and you clean it up. Don't you be negligent. This is on you. You get us out of it. That's pretty good for a 25-year-old, isn't it? Can you imagine them? Wow, that young whippersnapper, who does he think he is up there? But he meant business. So the Bible tells us that the priests and the Levites got their brothers together with them and they opened the doors of the temple and they started to clean it out. And they took everything that resembled a false god and everything God had condemned and they picked everything up that they could and they got it and they took it down to the Kidron Valley and they, they crushed it and they burned it. And they cleaned out the temple and they cleaned themselves up and they dedicated themselves back to the service of the Lord. And it took them seven months. Seven months. And on the first day of the eighth month, the Bible tells us, they went back to King Hezekiah and said, King, um, the temple is cleansed. We have rededicated ourselves back to the Lord. We're ready. He said, good. Early the next morning, sunrise, Hezekiah got up, gathered the city officials of Jerusalem. He said, come on, boys, we're going to sacrifice in the temple for the first time in years. Got some lambs. And they took them to the temple there and sacrificed on the altar that hadn't been sacrificed on in years. And sacrificed it to God. Then they told the residents of Jerusalem, you need to come into the temple and you need to bring sacrifices and you need to worship. And so he gathered all the people and he set the priests and the Levites. See over here, they, some had trumpets and some had harps and lyres and musicians. He arranged them all in place and the people walked in and he, the band struck it up and the praises for the first time in the temple in a long time had gone up to God and the people came in, brought their sacrifices and the Bible said something amazing happened happened joy came back among the people and they rejoiced music went up and sacrifices went up and the Bible said the people rejoiced and praised God and they were back God was among his people you know sometimes I Sometimes I think the answer to your problems are much simpler than you think. 
Sometimes we have all these problems and we say, God, I've got, I, my, my life is a mess and it's so complicated and I have this and that. It, it's, it's not as complicated as you think. Sometimes the answer to your problem is right. Reprioritize the spiritual. Go into your temple and cleanse, clean out what doesn't need to be there, what God has told you does not belong in your life. Get rid of it. Come back to his house, sacrifice, praise, worship, and it's back. Sometimes it's as simple as that. And the Bible said they pass the offering plates back and forth. Anytime you get them passing offering plates back and forth, that's a revival. God's people were back in Jerusalem, but not the nation. So go to letter C on your outline. Hezekiah calls Israel to remember the Passover. Chapter 30 opens. Hezekiah said, you know what happened here in Jerusalem needs to happen across the entire nation. Here's what we're going to do. Just as we reopen temple worship in Jerusalem, we're going to reinstitute the Passover for all the nation because we haven't celebrated it in years. So he wrote a letter. He sent it all the way down to Beersheba in the south, all the way up to Dan in the north, and all the way over to Zebulun. The entire nation, all that's left, got a letter that says, first day of the second month, you come to Jerusalem we're going to observe Passover for the first time in a long time. Once again, he appealed to their power of remembering. He said, now, Passover is supposed to be on the first day of the first month of the year. We've already missed it. So we're going to do it on the first day of the second month. So he sent a letter got the couriers together, and the letter went out, out over the entire land. And here's what the letter said. Every place got it. Open it up from King Hezekiah. And he says, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he may turn again to you. Do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were faithless to the Lord, and he made them a desolation as you see. Now, don't be stiff-necked as your fathers were. Yield yourselves to the Lord. Come back to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God, that his fierce anger may turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord... Your brothers and children who were in Assyria, maybe God will find compassion on them. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. When they got the letter, the Bible says in verse 10 of chapter 30, they laughed at it. Entire nation laughed at it. Ah! In fact, verse 10 uses two Hebrew words 
for the response of the people. One says they laughed. The other word means scorn or mockery in an imitating way. So they got the letter. Ah! Who does Hezekiah think he is? Come back for the Passover. We're not going back up there. Oh, yeah, if you come back, you know, stiff neck, yeah, don't be like. It meant that they imitated it. They mocked it. But the Bible says a few listened and agreed to go. And by the time the first day of the second month arrived, there was a pretty good crowd that had assembled in Jerusalem. They started to believe maybe that was the answer. So they all gathered. Hezekiah gathered them together and says, okay, here's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to clean up this place. This entire city is full of false gods. This city is full of things God has condemned. It is full of things that God has told you not to do. So just as we cleaned up the temple to begin with, now we're going to clean up the entire city. So get at it, and then we'll observe the Passover. And the Bible says people started going and taking all the things that resemble false gods and idols and everything they turned away from the Lord, took it down to the Kidron Brook, and they crushed it, and they burned it. it took them two weeks. Two weeks, they came back together, and he says, okay, now we're ready to observe the Passover. And they got ready to observe the Passover and said, priest, take your positions. And he was shocked. The priests weren't ready. Now, the Bible tells us in order for Passover to happen, priests have to be prepared. They have to do three things. They have to wash themselves with water from bronze labor. Secondly, they have to put on holy garments. Sometimes it would take hours upon hours, sometimes hundreds of hours to sew your garments. They had to be just right and just to be pure and spotless. And then the third thing, you had to take a horn of an animal and pour into it pure olive oil and, and spices and myrrh and anoint yourself over your head so you'd be holy before the Lord. They hadn't done that. They'd had two weeks. He says, why, you're not ready? And the Bible said the priests and the Levites were embarrassed at their laziness, is what Scripture tells us. He's lazy. He said, get ready. So the priests and the Levites went in to get ready, and they got ready and got all their holy garments and everything together, and now they're all set. Now let's observe the Passover. And Hezekiah walked up and was shocked. The people weren't ready. Because the Bible tells us the people have to prepare for Passover. They had to do several things as well. The people had to do things like they had to, to remove all the, 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 the leaven from their house, and then they had to go through a ritual. They'd eat the matzah bread, and then they would retell the Exodus story, and they would take the cup and they would take the bread and recite the Hallel, and then they'd eat a sandwich of either lamb or chicken and eggs and onions and fruit and all symbolic. And they, they, they had to do all these things, and they weren't ready. They hadn't done it. And so Hezekiah walked up and prayed for the people and says, Dear God, 
I know you've told us in Exodus all these details that people have to do in order to be ready to observe the Passover. But God, we haven't done this in years. We're trying to come back. God, would you forgive these people? Would you look down upon them right now? And Lord, somehow would you just forgive and take little, what little they've done and accept it? And the Bible says that God heard the prayer of Hezekiah, pardoned the people, and forgave their sins. Now we're ready. Let's observe. So they started bringing in animals. They brought in bulls, and they brought in sheep, and the band began to play. And once again, they observed the Passover, and the people came in, and something amazing happened. Joy came back to God's house. And joy came back to God's people. And they celebrated for seven days the Passover, and they kept bringing animals, and they kept worshiping, and they had a great time. The Bible says praises filled the place, and God's presence was there, and God's people felt a closeness they hadn't felt in years. It went for seven days, and the people loved it so much, they said, we don't want to go home. We love being here. We love God's presence. We love doing what he's told us to do again, of remembering what he told us to do and doing it. And they didn't want to go home, so they agreed, let's go seven more days. And they went seven more days, worshiping and praising, and the bands were playing. And the Bible tells us in chapter 30, the Levites and the priests were singing with all their might, and the people were praising with all their might. And God's presence filled the place. And by the time it was all over, at the end of 14 days, they had sacrificed 2,000 bulls and 17,000 sheep. And then they closed like this, and this is how chapter 30 ends. In the 14 days, the priests did something they hadn't done in years. They walked up to the people, they lifted their hands, and all the people looked at them. And the priest said, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May God come upon you with his presence. And the chapter closes by saying, as the priest prayed that, God was in heaven listening. And as the prayers ascended into the holiness of his holy heavens, what we're told, God listened. How did Hezekiah take a mess and turn it into glory? Remember come back and that's what we're doing this morning we're remembering what he's commanded us to do don't neglect this remember his body and remember his blood
It was the evening of April 15th, 2019, 6.20 in the afternoon. Structural fire broke out on the roof of an old cathedral in Paris, France. The name of the cathedral was Notre Dame. Extensive damage was done to some areas. Three firefighters were injured. And you, you may remember the news. It just looked surreal watching Notre Dame burning. Here's a picture of it. But something interesting happened. Inside the cathedral, the burned wood, the beams from the roof collapsed and crumbled at the foot of a golden cross was in the middle of the, of the cathedral. And the remains were charred all around it, but the golden cross itself was untouched. Here's a picture. The golden cross untouched and all the charred rubble lying at the base. And the very next morning in the Paris, France newspaper, which is a secular newspaper, by the way, the headline simply said, the cross still stands. That's all it said. And you know, folks, we live in a culture where a lot has charred and crumbled around us. But the cross still stands. And as we come back and observe and remember the cross, there's our strength, there's our power, and there's our glory. Father, I want to thank you today for the story of Hezekiah and how you used one godly man to bring an entire nation back that had fallen so far away from you. And God, I know there are people sitting here today and they're at various stages in their relationship with you. Some of them are very far from you. Some of them, God, need to come back and start cleaning out the inside of their temple and destroying those things you've condemned. Prioritizing the spiritual, coming back to worship, coming back to bring offerings again, and coming back to you. Lord, there are others here that, that have never prayed to receive Jesus for the very first time, and that's, they need a relationship with you. So I pray today will be the day they do that. God, others of us come to you today, and, and we want to thank you and remember what you've done for us. And in that remembering, bring renewal to our hearts. So, Father, would you do that? During this special time of remembrance, may the power of memory renew us today. In Jesus' name, amen.